welcome to episode 31 of the RF Generation Playcast. I'm GreyGhost81, and in this episode, we'll be discussing our spooky game for October 2016. This month, Floyd decided to take a look at one of the deeper cuts of the PlayStation 2 library with Shadow of Destiny, an adventure game with a Quantum Leap vibe that is sure to leave players a little unsettled. Returning to the show to join us in our conversation this month is Pam. Pam is the creator of the YouTube channel Cannot Be Tamed, as well as one of our generation's newest blog writers. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Podbean. As always, don't forget to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the amazing games we play together. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. So, Eve of Halloween, what are you guys doing on uh, on this spooky night? This spooky night, I was carving pumpkins earlier with my kids, uh, doing some jack-o'-lanterns, and listening to my neighbors who blew up a huge inflatable screen, uh, playing some Ghostbusters 2. Not Ghostbusters 1, but Ghostbusters 2. Uh-huh. It was an interesting choice. Have you guys seen that yeah. one? Yeah, you got to give that movie some love. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Not quite as good as the first, but still, pretty decent movie. <laughs> little Vigo, <laughs> right? <laughs> so do you guys have any personal like Halloween traditions? Anything you do specially for Halloween? I'm really interested in hearing about you guys from Canada. And, and you, Sean, uh, anything new in Texas that uh, you maybe haven't experienced before in New Jersey? Yeah, well, I, I'm looking forward to maybe getting some trick-or-treaters because we used to live on a dead-end street in New Jersey, and now we live in a like pretty populated suburban area. So it'll be cool to actually see trick-or-treaters for the first time in years. Um but the one tradition I have with my wife is we watch the movie Trick or Treat. It's, and it's hard because there's so many movies called Trick or Treat or some variation thereof. There this are. is the one that came out with two, mm-hmm. in 2007. It has Anna Paquin and Brian Cox in it's it. Great. Yep. Um, it's just it's such an incredible movie. It's like the perfect Halloween movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. My wife and I, uh, we watch it every Halloween. We've been doing this for like since the movie came out, since we found out about it. So that's that's the only tradition that we have yeah i love that movie i I saw it a few years ago and it's one of those cool films that a a lot of modern horror films are just all about torture and stuff and they don't really give you those sort of halloween feels but this is a very specific halloween movie that uh kind of goes on the tradition of um you know different halloween traditions i guess right and um it follows like four or five different stories and they all kind of culminate in one yeah. big story. Yeah, and it's really cool. And there's been yeah, rumored very- se- uh, a sequel has been rumored and like kind of announced within the past year. So hopefully they'll make another one. But, oh, cool. Yeah. Have you read have the graphic not. novel? I have not. Have you? For that? Oh, I, I have a copy of it. Okay. I'll have to send it to right, you. Cool. You got to check it out, man. It's really cool. All right. How about you, Floyd, Pam? Do you guys have any special Halloween traditions? Um, I guess when 
I, I guess the average age, on, especially on my street, um, has sort of outgrown mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, so there's not too much happening yeah. around me. But um, so Halloween has kind of, you know, it, it's it's not really a thing that we really do anymore. I like I'll try to go to the movies and, and of course, see something scary. Um, like earlier in the week, sure. I went with a friend to see Ouija. Um and that's um, oh, wow. so this, okay. this family buys a buys a Ouija board, and turns out that they end up channeling spirits that are living underneath the house, and you know, of course, the, the spirits tor- start uh, tormenting them, and you know, because you don't you don't mess with the dead. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How about you, Pam? Anything uh, special you no do for Halloween? No real traditions. I've sort of been sitting out Halloween for the last few years. I've lived in in an apartment for four years or so, so we don't really get any trick-or-treaters. Last year, I did go to a Halloween party, but this year, since it's on a Monday, there's not a whole lot. So I've picked out a scary movie to watch tomorrow, which uh, Will won't watch with me because he's kind of (laughs) wimpy. Oh, (laughs) I want to know what movie it is so that I can judge you. No, I'm kidding. It's it's called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. And it's it's a it's a new one it just came on netflix at least canadian netflix uh so it's a ghost a ghost story basically about a a nurse who goes to live with an old woman in a house huh sounds creepy Mm -hmm. Hmm. wow yeah that sounds pretty cool check that out do you decorate or anything like that at least the inside of your house i know it'd be hard to decorate the outside if you're in an apartment but you do anything no, inside to get not festive? really just light some candles okay cool cool very cool well speaking of halloween let's talk about our kind of favorite halloween memories does anybody have any memories when they were a child or anything that kind of stands out I do. I have one. Nobody else has one. <laughs> I, 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 I got to think about it. Okay. I, I thought about this because uh, Rich had mentioned it. And, and one thing I, I remembered was I got I wanted to be like some kind of skeleton thing. And I got my mom to buy this makeup that looked really cool on the packaging, of course, that makes you, it made your skin look all like weird and crappy and white and and. Man, when she put it on me, it was like the worst pain. Like, I don't know if I had some kind of allergic reaction or, to it or something. Oh, no. And um, it, it just like caked on and it was all like crack, cracky and sharp and like sticking into my skin. And I was miserable. And my, my mom knew I wasn't BSing because I wanted it so bad and I wasn't going to turn around and say I didn't like it. Um So the cool thing about it was she, she we ended up just washing it all off and she let me take her costume that she had made for herself, which was um, a homemade like spider costume where she took a black sweatshirt and took uh, black stockings and filled them with uh, cotton balls and attached those as the extra legs and um, attached them to the wrist of the sweatshirt with fishing line. So when I raised my arms, I had, you know, eight legs and she put makeup on me and like a, we put a ball cap on with like spider webs hanging off of it. It was really cool. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That, that's a really good like awesome Halloween memory. memory. I wish, uh, yeah, I wish my Halloween memories were that good. 
<laughs> that's like a memory that went from complete crap. Yeah, yeah it was, sugar, it was right? nice. Uh, Mom really saved the day, and she, you know, she had a kick-ass costume for herself, and it was cool that she was willing to let me have it because mine got botched. So it was cool. Oh man. Yeah, I don't remember my parents dressing up that much. I remember my mom doing like a witch one time when I was younger, but that was that was it. They weren't really into dressing up. I think more adults are probably into that now. Um, we went to a party the other night uh, for the kids, but it was an adult party as well, and all the adults were dressed up. But, of course, I was the only one who wasn't. <laughs> Even my wife dressed oh, up. Man. I felt kind of bad. But I, but I went there two years ago, and I was dressed up as Patrick Swayze <laughs> from Point Break. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I went to this huge effort and then I was the only oh, adult no. that was dressed <laughs> up. So, so like, how do you go of, from the only one in of, costume to of, the only one not in costume? <laughs> I can't win, man. I cannot win. <laughs> yeah, I was so pissed. And it was sort of my revenge this year to not dress up. But of course I look stupid because I was like, oh, what are you, a dad? And I was like, oh, oh thanks. Yeah. That's I remember one year when I was a kid, uh, my mom and I were living at my aunt's house for a little bit, and my aunt lived in this really nice area with these really big houses, so I just remember going out trick-or-treating there, and I dressed up as the Phantom of the Opera, and all of the houses had, like, the best candy, and they gave so much of it, so (laughs) that one sticks out for me. What? A full-size Snicker bar? What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah those people are crazy that give out that kind of candy yeah. that has to get expensive i'm like yeah you guys are getting some damn milk duds and some uh Raisins. What are the dots <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sweet tarts <laughs> no i'm not giving out oh, anything okay. healthy sean <laughs> um yeah I, I guess like halloween memories for me i just remember wearing those like really plastic costumes i went to spider-man one year and i remember like having that do you remember those like cheap vinyl costumes with like the the plastic mask with the rubber band that went around the back Mm -hmm. that your hair would get stuck in and it would just pull your hair hold on to that for a second but yeah go on (laughs) (laughs) and and then they had this little mouth hole this little slit and you breathe on it and your face is just your neck like sweats just going down your neck because you're so hot you're just breathing hot stuff (laughs) on your face it's awful but you know, when you're a kid, it's annoying, but like you can just push through it because you're getting all that candy, right? So great. Yeah. I, I do remember those plastic masks and I had one, uh, you remember the Ghostbusters cartoon, uh, with Egon and he had that like swirly gray hair on the top of his head and the glasses. I had one of those yeah, masks yeah. of him and I was trick or treating and I was a little kid and some old guy answers the door and says, who are you supposed to be? Paul Newman? And <laughs> I was just a little kid. I didn't know who the hell that was. So I was like, no, I'm Egon. <laughs> are you the dude on the yeah. salad dressing? I don't, I don't even think it was that big, like the salad dressing, if I even knew about it. I, I still didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Uh, anyone else Halloween memories? Floyd, you gotta um, have something, man. What's your favorite costume? I, I remember when I was really young, I think I was four or five, I went to uh, to a Halloween party and there's this kid dressed up as, as a dinosaur and 
I don't know why, but I, I really like loved his tail for some reason. So I kept like chasing this guy around the room <laughs> trying to grab his tail. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I think um, best, uh, like my favorite Halloween costume that I ever had was I was I was a police car one year. This again when I was really little. I was a police car one year, and of course, like we've all been clowns at one point. Um, yeah, and that's. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's fun, and it's, it's really too bad that like my area has sort of outgrown it, because you know, it'd be fun to do it again. It's, you know, nice to, to do something like youthful yeah. and, and, and fun. Yeah, well, of keep course. that spirit alive, man. You got, you got to, you got to plan next year, and do that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and so the last thing I wanted to talk about any songs that, are, that are kind of focused around Halloween that you guys really like listening to. Or just just something songs you know that kind of if you're making a Halloween playlist that you would put on it. Hmm. I, I don't have anything. I don't have I'll, anything in I'll mind, start. so I'm open to suggestions. All right, I'll start. Um, one of my favorite songs is from the movie The Lost Boys. I, I love that song, "Cry Little Sister." I think you guys so. know which one I'm talking about. Oh man, it's on the tip of my brain. I don't think I remember it. Oh, uh, you'll have to you'll have to check that out. You have to pull that yeah. up on YouTube or something. It's great. It's kind of a rocking song with this, these like kind of kids chanting in the background. It's pretty awesome. And then, uh, of course, the Munsters theme. I actually introduced the Munsters to my kids tonight. It's actually on Netflix. So I thought, well, what's something good I can let them watch for Halloween and that doesn't scare the living crap out of them? And I was like, oh, the Munsters, you know, why not? Let's see if it's on there. And they watch like four or five episodes. They love it. I think nice. it's great. I didn't think they would get that type of, it's a little bit more adult humor sometimes. I didn't think they would get it, but uh, yeah, they think it's awesome. So Sweet. Cool. What about Anything else? Halloween by the Misfits? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. oh yeah. Great song. Mm-hmm. How about Halloween? Yeah, it's a great song. It reminded me, you were talking about Trick or Treat earlier. One of the other movies, speaking of music, there's, a, there's another movie called Trick or Treat that... Uh, involves a uh, a rock hero like Sammy Hain and it has Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons in it the movie nice. does so yeah <laughs> well I guess um I, I you have um you kind of have one more chance to to plug or, or talk about your uh she hate horror podcast I guess um that's that's wrapping up or, or wrapped yeah. up already and um uh how, how did it go do you have any plans for it to continue like well, how how did it go? Well, let's see. Our plan was to watch 31 films before Halloween, and uh, we've released, what, eight now? <laughs> so that's how it went. Uh, do we plan on keeping going and finishing it? Yeah, we do. Uh, we just finished up recording for uh, Night of the Comet. I don't know if any of you have seen that. It's sort of a cult classic mm. sort of film. It's not really scary, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just totally 80s and a fun film to watch. And then we're um, we just started watching The Abyss, so we're gonna uh, record for that. Have you I've seen, seen that, that before? One. Sounds very yeah, familiar. I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, that's a good good flick. Yeah, yeah. We I've never seen it before. My wife's never seen it before. We were watching it the other night, and we were just so exhausted. We fell asleep like. 45 minutes in and it, it that doesn't say anything about the movie the movie's great it's really exciting we were just just so exhausted uh the baby kept us up the night before and soccer practice and work and everything else we just 
I, I mean, we just ended up like I ended up waking up at like eleven thirty or twelve at night and looked over, and the movie was over. And my <laughs> wife was asleep <laughs> at the other end of the couch. We had both fallen asleep, so it's kind of funny. That that's been uh, that's been the tough thing about um, doing this uh, new podcast is just having the energy to do it, to stay up, to watch a film, and then you know go upstairs mm-hmm. and record. Uh, it it makes for a, yeah. A I think tough that's viewing. that's one thing a lot of people take for granted is that. Like there's a there's a lot of work involved in podcasting. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there is, but yes, there, is. there is a lot of work. There there is a lot of work involved. Um, speaking of new podcasts, Pam was on our show in February. She joined us for folklore, uh, and she's back again to join us for Shadow of Destiny. So thanks a lot for joining oh, us, Pam. For we appreciate me again. it. And now you've got a new podcast, right? Because you didn't have the second podcast. Or, well, this mm-hmm. is your only podcast. You actually do YouTube videos for Cannot Be Tame, but you have a new podcast. Yeah, sure. It's called Media Mavens, and myself and my co-host Riley, who is a friend uh, I know from video games and now from real life as well. Uh, and we talk about <laughs> sort of all kinds of media. We talk about video games, movies, TV shows, books. Uh, we usually start off with a little bit about what we've been playing, and then we usually have a topic for the show. So just yesterday, we recorded mm-hmm. with a guest, uh, Jonathan, and we recorded an episode about Luke Cage. So. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new Netflix show, right? Yeah, Are you I liked enjoying it. that? Um, you'll have to listen to the episode mm-hmm. to know my full thoughts, but <laughs> I really liked the first <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, sure. the first <laughs> half, and it sort of went downhill a little in the second half, but I still overall enjoyed it. Very cool. Yeah, I've been watching Daredevil lately. I, we popped in a few, but with the new podcast, we've been trying to watch as many movies as we can, but I watched a few episodes of Daredevil, and I've, I've really liked what I've seen of that, but I haven't um, tried Luke Cage yet. I'll, I'll give that a shot. Um, and so you've got some um, there's some new news going on with you as well. As well. Um, you've been a loyal contributor to RF Generation since our last show. I think I contacted you shortly after... Uh, February and uh, asked you to post some videos on the site. You've been doing that. Oh, we fun. really appreciate that. Glad to share. So them. thank you very much. And uh, you also got picked yes, up by RetroWare, correct? Uh, a month or two ago. Oh, really cool! Congratulations. Very cool. Thank so that you. made. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, your stuff's really great. We enjoy watching it, and so you're uh, be a fine contributor for them as well. And so you got to go to RWX this year. If, for those of you who don't know, Retro World Expo, uh, RF Generation. We usually have a really big presence there. We uh, we actually sponsored it again this year. And if you guys listen to the Collector Cast, you know that one of uh, the Collector Cast members, Bill, good friend of ours, uh, he's actually one of the guys who uh, heads up that project and gets that going up in Connecticut. Um, Floyd and I, we went last year, we right? Did. Floyd it had was, a blast. It was so much fun, and it, it was kind of a bummer that we missed out this year but i guess for both of us kind of life got in in the way for for whatever reason and um yeah but hopefully you know maybe we'll just do every odd number we'll go to the first one then the third one and then you know we'll figure something out yeah yeah i my poor wife had to put up with me that weekend just moping around you know and um the reason i couldn't go partly was because of 
just had a third child, you know, recently. He's five months old. And then um, I always do an annual guys trip, and it was the weekend before, so expenses and things didn't work out. But I was supposed to go go down to Florida for my guys trip mm-hmm. to a football game in Florida. It was Florida Gators versus LSU. And, of course, mm-hmm. Hurricane Matthew comes through that weekend. And so we had to kind of punt and uh, find a house up in the mountains to kind of hang out in. And it just rained the entire time. So on top of that trip being kind of ruined, though, I still had a good time with my friends. You know, we're we're good friends and we had a wonderful time with each other. But on top of that, I missed Retro World Expo. And so I was just I was awful. Um, uh, My wife and I ended up doing one of those escape rooms um, one Friday night and to kind of get my spirits up with some other friends. And that was that was really cool. So she was a, a real trooper and helped making my weekend really good. But uh, having to look at my phone for, with the guys from uh, uh, RF Generation, like sending texts and pictures of you know them hanging out and eating mashed potato pizza, Floyd. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it, made, it made me a little sick to my stomach and just made me miss everyone. I, I really missed uh, hanging out this year. And, and Pam, you yeah, were there we this did. year. You and Will it went, It was right? a lot of fun. I think it was probably mm-hmm. the best convention I've been to. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I'm so was, glad to hear that. Yeah, especially the, yeah, the second year. Yeah, it was year, great. You know? Bill did a fantastic job putting it all together. And it was also great just because I knew so many people. Like, I got to meet so many people from RF Gen and from RetroWare and just people I know from Twitter and YouTube. So mm-hmm. it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you actually got to sit yeah. in on the panel, right? Yeah. I sat in on the RetroWare? RetroWare panel. I didn't know I was going to be on it. They sort of asked me the day of. Uh, I kind of, <laughs> there was a lot of people on the panel because there were a lot of people there from RetroWare. Yes. So I just sort of sat in the back. <laughs> Most people had a new video or something to show. I, uh, I didn't have a whole lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Floyd and I were on a panel with uh, the guys from the Collector Cast uh, during the first year. and But we saw the panel for RetroWare. And it, it was like like you said, the entire table was full. It's just people mm-hmm. standing up in the background, you know, because uh, there's just so many people mm-hmm. uh, that contribute to that. But it's, it's very cool. And, and I'm so glad to hear you say positive things about because I know you and Will have been to several conventions. I've I've only been to Retro World Expo. This is the only video game convention I've ever been to. And I had a blast when I went. And I was like, well, is it, you know, is it the convention or is it just, you know, hanging out with my my buddies from RF Generation? And though, you know, I love hanging out with my friends and stuff, uh, I thought the convention was really good, too. And I can only imagine it was much better this year. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of guests, a lot of panels. There was the vendor floor was amazing. Uh, so many game vendors, and mm-hmm. I also got some non-game stuff. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was really great. The arcade room was neat, and the auction on the Saturday night was a lot of fun. Oh, love that. Yeah, yeah. I actually scribed for that. Uh, Duke and I did that, and I think I saw him in yep. a picture. Mm-hmm. He was doing the same thing. I think he and, he and Adam were doing it this year together. Uh, so very, very cool. Um, well... I do want to give one final update, Sean. I know you're curious. Pokemon Go, where I'm at <laughs> yeah, right now, me, right? Tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Pokemon oh, Go. Oh, you're done R.I.P. with it. What happened? Uh, I'm done, man. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. So my son, who I told you is obsessed with it, um, he ran out the minutes on our phone. The data. Or, or the, the data. Um, not the minutes, but the, uh, the data. Like, within like oh, no. four days. 
of our plan. So I've had to shut it off and I haven't been able to use it, you know, because he just, he blew it up. So during that time, I've just been walking and I've just been listening to a lot more podcasts and things. And I've, I found that I enjoy my walks and my exercise more when I'm not like looking at my phone and checking it the entire time. And so, um, I think it's, yeah, I think that's sort of the thing being away from it for a little while killed it for me. Yeah. When you're doing it, you like, you don't realize you're checking your phone every two seconds. And, and, you know, when you sort of like get unglued from it, it's, I know it's, it's kind of like a relief, but, um, like, no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's not fun, but, um, yeah, I can totally see how, how it's so easy to burn through your data plan in like a couple days. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, I'm glad you had fun while it lasted and, um, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't regret it or anything. It's just, you know, a lot of picking up the same Pokemon all the time, you know, I, I walk the same route. So there's, you know, I never really find anything new. And so when you stop finding new things, it stops being a lot, you know, a right. lot more exciting, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm so, done, since, guys. since we so, got Pam here, I want to know her, her take on, on Pokemon go. And I want to know if she ever, <laughs> did you ever go to the, to the fairy docks, uh, or, or the, what, what do they call it? Like, uh, Jack Lane Harbor. Um, cause that's such a big Pokemon go hub. Like everyone kind of gathers there. I heard that, uh, my entire experience <laughs> with Pokemon go was Will downloaded it on his phone while he had a broken arm. So we went out for to walk the dog cause he wanted to catch some Pokemon and he was like, here, catch this Pokemon for me. So I like flicked some balls at it and nothing happened and i was like this game's stupid and then i, I that was my entire pokemon <laughs> that, that was it so that was yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> that's great um so there's some new things in the news we should probably talk about uh i know sean you wanted to talk a little bit about nintendo switch yeah right? i thought we could give it a couple just a minute or two real quick because it's one of those sure. things where it, it's always fun to talk about something before it comes out and kind of speculate and you know the the uh, reveal trailer the announcement trailer showed actually a lot like and and you can see like kind of analysis videos of that trailer of the hardware mm-hmm. people are picking out like what kind of ports it has and you know somebody noticed that it has like an SD card slot underneath the little kickstand thing so there's a lot of things you can glean from that that uh trailer that they had and uh, just two things I wanted to touch on was the the like overwhelming positive response that I I feel like I'm seeing mm-hmm. on it, which is mm-hmm. really cool and doesn't ever happen anymore, yep. especially with Nintendo. And the other thing, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the screen size because for some reason I I got kind of I don't know if confused is the right word, but I thought it would would be a lot bigger than it actually is. But then I did a little research and I think I'll. I'll be okay with it because like one of the things that makes me really into handheld gaming was when the screens got big enough for me to be comfortable with them, I guess is the only way to put it. So the PlayStation portable, for example, has a four and a quarter inch screen. Uh, The Vita and the 3DS XL both have five inch screens. Uh, The 3DS on the larger, Mm -hmm. the top screen. And the Nintendo switch has a 6.2 inch screen. So it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, more than an inch bigger than the the Vita and the 3DS uh, top screen. 
So at, at first, when I saw 6.2 inch, that's actually the, the, the size of my phone, not the screen itself, but my phone itself. And I was thinking like, I, I don't see, I don't, that's not big enough. Like I can't see myself like clipping controllers onto that, but just mm -hmm. thinking about it and thinking about how big the Vita is and, and the hardware on that. And I just thought like, I don't know why <laughs> I just overthinking the screen size <laughs> a lot. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. But yeah, it, it, it looks yeah. like it well, looks awesome. And the fact that most people think it looks awesome is really cool. And mm -hmm. it looks like the promises of the, the Wii U are going to be fulfilled with this thing. And they have a bunch of third party support, which is what has been their major problem for years now. So, yeah, I just w was curious what you guys thought about it. My, my Facebook and Twitter just exploded with like all this you know, like excitement and, and, you know, positive response for, for the Nintendo Switch. Like even people who haven't, uh, who haven't been playing games in years are excited for this. So, um, and I, I, I like it's Nintendo, so it's always going to have that nostalgic, um, thing for people. Um, but you know, it's really cool to see just, uh, an overwhelmingly positive response for, for this. Yeah. I tried to ignore a lot of that, um, I, I don't know. I like to kind of just watch videos and things like that on specs and uh, get sort of a, if you can, unbiased opinion about it. So I try not to buy in and, and look any of that stuff through Twitter. Um, and I watch some videos on it, and it looks cool. Um, I think the screen size is probably okay, Sean. I mean, another inch, that that make, that's pretty big for a handheld, you know. And I guess they want to keep it in the handheld realm um, so that you feel comfortable carrying it around. You're not lugging around some, you mm -hmm. know, big piece of hardware. Um, I, I really like what they're doing. I like the whole idea of, uh, you know, just putting something in the HDMI port. Um, it, like it's, it's almost like a fire stick or something like that. Right. Am, am I, is that, is that what you guys saw? It's sort of like a fire stick and it just goes from your, um, it just syncs up like a Bluetooth or something from like your Nintendo uh, Switch to the TV, and you can play games on your TV through that uh, with the with the handheld, like you would sort of the um, uh, the controller for the Wii U. That's what I understand, right? I think it's I more like a, a docking station. Uh, I don't know. Can you play on the handheld and the screen? Did they show that at all? Okay. Yeah, from what I understand, the docking station is just something to sort of charge it and something for like aesthetic sort of looks, you know, to just sit there and you actually hold it. And it's just sort of like, it, it's sort of like a, um, just a, a Wii U controller, you know, where you can, you can just sit there and just play it as, um, you know, straight through your TV when you're, when you're nearby your TV. And then you can just pull that, you know, that controller slash handheld, you can take that with you and you can play it solo or you can pull off the, um, uh, the little controllers that are on the sides, you can pull those off and use those to for like two player, you know, like two player games like Mario Kart and things like that. That's that's what I saw in the um, sort of the review right. of the console uh, that I watched on TV. And again, you know, some of this may just be speculation. I don't know. You know, we're, yeah. it's, it's early. And they're they're saying so. now they're not going to announce any of the technical specs until January. <laughs> so we'll see what leaks out before yeah. then. But. Uh, I'm wondering, Pam, yeah. what did you, what do you think about the Switch? Are you paying attention to it at all or psyched about it or? Uh, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I didn't watch the commercial 
I just read what people were saying about it. Uh, Nintendo kind of lost me with the original Wii, so I'm sort of indifferent, I mm, guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main thing is controllers. Like, those taking off those controllers off the side of that thing and using them, like, sideways, they're little teeny tiny things, mm-hmm. just like, oh, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't look, <laughs> yeah. or it doesn't, like, look or sound comfortable, but I guess we'll see, mm-hmm. you know, um. Yeah, my understanding is you don't have to take them off to play it. You can take them off to play it single, or you can just hold it like a handheld. And so the thumbsticks on each controller is, you know, you're playing Mm -hmm. like with two thumbsticks. You see what I'm saying? Um, But you can take them off and you can play them two player. Now that looks awful because you're holding this little tiny controller (laughs) in each hand. You know, that looks awful. Yeah, I, I just, I don't see that. I don't see that taking off, but you know, we're, we're sort of in a generation to me, it feels like more people are playing handheld, mm-hmm. more people like handheld as opposed to console. And if you can combine those two things, which Nintendo seems to have done successfully, I think that's what all the excitement's about. You know, I think it's a great idea and I think it'll do well. And they're going back to cartridge based games mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. they're Some, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it'll be download oh, probably games be, as well. Yeah. Probably the majority will be download, but I'm sure they're going to be like similar cartridges to what uh, the 3DS has. Have they said anything about yeah, the hard drive? Because yeah. they've had very small hard drives recently in the recent consoles. I don't think that has come out at all. Yeah, I think they're kind of holding back those specs. My understanding from reviews and people that I've heard say things about it is I don't know that it's going to look any better than the... Um, the Xbox One or the PS4. Yeah. I mean, as far as, um, you know, uh, the graphically, um, I, I just don't think it's going to look any better than those. I think those will still be um, superior consoles. But this is just um, a different take, and they're just kind of going their own way, as Nintendo always does. And whether you, you know, I guess whether you like it or not, I've always been a Nintendo fan, but Pam, I'm kind of like you. I kind of fell off with the Wii. Um, I guess whether you like it or not, it's good to see that they're still doing their own thing and they're still keeping the video game industry interesting, right? So I, I like that about them. And it's good to have some, uh, whereas Xbox and PlayStation seem to be competing on a um, on the same level, Nintendo is just kind of that kid that uh, just goes and kicks the ball against the wall <laughs> to himself, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and just say, hey, I'm just going to be over here making money, you know? So. Uh, and Sean, you also had mentioned to me that you wanted to talk a little bit about the new Godzilla movie, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate just giving me like a minute of a minute or two of airtime for this because I was so excited about it. And <laughs> I did go with a buddy of mine, but he wasn't as psyched about it as I was. And then my one friend, uh, Matt from New Jersey, who's the person who got me into Godzilla. It had such a limited th- theater theatrical run that he didn't get a chance to see it. So I couldn't even talk to him about it. So I just want to say that the the new Japanese Godzilla movie, Shin Godzilla, that just came out is an absolute masterpiece. It is the best Godzilla movie to come out since the original. And it is... Uh, it, it was just so incredible that I, I went and saw it twice and I never do that. I, I, I'm the kind of person I don't ever go to the th- movie theaters twice. Um, 
So for people who don't know, this was co-directed by Hideaki Anno, who was the director of Neon Genesis Evangelion. So if you like anime and you like Evangelion, like he was one of the co-directors of this movie and it really shows in the movie. Um, this is the first hard reboot of the Godzilla franchise of, of, of the 30 or so movies that have been made. Everyone has either been a direct sequel to Godzilla 54 or a sequel of one of those sequels. But this one just throws the entire canon out and starts fresh. And the fascinating thing about it is it's that it's what would happen in present day Japan if and if, uh, you know, a monster came out of the ocean and attacked Tokyo and it. It's such a cool thing to see because Godzilla 54 was, you know, everybody knows it's an allegory for the atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan, but none of us lived through that. None of us, you know, it's a history lesson to all of us. But this movie strongly resonates with the, uh, you know, the tsunami and the Fukushima nuclear disaster that happened um, in 2011. And so to see a movie that's based on something that actually happened in recent memory, is it, it's just really powerful. And especially with Hideaki Anno directing it, it's just so like, you know, um, powerful. And uh, it, it's if if you're into Godzilla, you're in like you're, you, you got to go see it. And if you're into those movies from the 70s that were like very like dialogue heavy, because this is a very dialogue heavy movie, it actually takes the perspective of the government and what they would do in a real situation like this. And it's kind of a criticism of the government. It's a really deep movie and the symbolism and the allegory of what's going on. But if you remember movies like The Network or Kramer versus Kramer with just really dialogue heavy <laughs> yeah. procedural kind of things like <laughs> that's what this movie reminded me of um and they 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 have a lot of you know uh they use a lot of music from the original movie mixed in with music from evangelion it's just really an amazing movie. I could talk about it for a while, but I appreciate you just giving me a minute to, <laughs> to geek out about it. And like, honestly, uh, you know, being a Godzilla fanboy, it's kind of, uh, an easy pick for me, but I think people who would, would see this movie would, would be like extremely surprised how awesome it is. So that's it. I'll shut up now. Are you, are you going to check it out, Rich? Because you recently picked up um, Red Spectacles, and that's Hideaki Anno too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, uh, Sean, you mentioned it was sort of on a limited run, and I have it checked around here. Um, I, I own the original Godzilla. I love it. I have to ask sure. you a question, Sean. Um, is Godzilla, is it CG, or is it like human in a yeah, kaiju suit? Yeah, so that's suit? a big like point of controversy. Well, I wouldn't call it controversy, more like fanboy rage or whatever but like this is this is the first um godzilla that wasn't uh suit what do they call it suitmation or suitimation um they yeah, but they yeah. did do motion capture so it's basically mocap with cg over it so no no oh, guy in a suit cool. for the first time uh in the japanese movies anyway so Oh yeah, I was gonna say I don't think the one in the Matthew Broderick film was <laughs> no. in a suit. <laughs> the Godzilla mm -hmm. no one talks yeah. about, right? <laughs> All right, cool. 
Uh, so let's talk a little bit about pickups. Um, you guys picked up anything good? Pam, you've been to Retro World Expo. You and Will had to pick up some, uh, um, probably a ton of games, right? Uh, knowing Will, did you guys pick up anything that kind of stands uh, out in this trip? Will picked up a whole bunch of stuff that I don't care about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a few things. I picked up uh, Bomberman on PS1 and Dracula Unleashed cool. on Sega CD. Uh, a few PS2 games. I got the Obscure sequel. Although it's not made by the same people, it's called Obscure the Aftermath, which is like a survival horror co-op game. And another one okay. uh, by Konami, it's called Firefighter FD18, I think. It's like uh, you go around and you put out fires and you rescue people. Yeah, I've seen that before. I've been tempted to pick that one up a few times but uh it, it seems interesting i i love fireman on uh super famicom so i was wondering if it was uh you know kind of a more modernized version of that game or not i'm not sure I'm not sure but yeah it looks cool all right sean floyd any new pickups for you guys no no nothing new here um nothing no new? waiting on my pre-order pre-order for final fantasy 15 that's that's about a month away, so okay. <laughs> nothing nothing happening for about a month. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I had a few decent pickups recently. Uh, my copy of Clock Tower, uh, Super Fami version, finally came in. So I was going to dig into that this month, but looks like I'm not going to have time to do that. Um, I picked up a copy of Shinmu 2, uh, really cheap. Um, buddy and I went out and the store i don't know if they had it mispriced or what but it was just sitting there and i was like well i don't have it i'll go ahead and grab that you know xbox only title uh, the other day i picked up a copy of quake 2 i love quake 2 um, it's one of my favorite first person shooter games and i used to have it on pc and i remember it really clearly so um, i picked this copy up for playstation 1 so i'm interested to check it out uh, picked up fear effect on playstation 1 which i haven't played but Here's a pretty decent game. Have any of you played that uh, one? Effect. Which one's that? Because it sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know a whole lot about the game, um, but I've just, you know, seen a few uh, reviews and people sort of recommending it. Um, and so um, they did Fear Effect 1 and Fear that, Effect um, 2, so I'm kind of excited to check that one that out. Is that sort of like anime-ish or like anime in the art style? Okay, I think yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I picked up uh, Spider-Man for Sega Genesis Complete in Box. Um, I hear it's a pretty great game on the Genesis. And once again, just adding to my pile of Genesis collection. And then, uh, Sean, you might be interested in this one. I don't know if you've seen this um, anime before, but uh, have you ever seen Battle no, Angel? No, I have not. Okay. You should check it out. Uh, actually... Actually, I found it on DVD at one of the um, used uh, media stores in the area, and I just was beside myself because I used to have it on VHS. It was like a white VHS cassette, and uh, I got rid of it you know, years ago, uh, and I was super stoked to find it again. So yeah, if you haven't seen Battle Angel, check that one out. It's a really great one. I'm not, I'm not an anime guy, I'll, I'll admit that, but uh, I saw this years ago. A friend of mine showed it to me, and... Uh, I loved it. Nice. So. I'll have to check it out. Um, all right. Have you guys been playing anything this month? Any 
cool Halloween titles or just anything in general? I am still playing uh, Yakuza 5 and also uh, Crimson Gem Saga, (laughs) which I wrote about on the blog on the PSP. A little nice little Japanese style actually produced in Korea, uh, turn-based RPG. Um, And I don't mean to derail, but can I sneak in a little quick review of the concert I went to last night? Okay. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're excited about this, and uh, it was a really good music recommendation. I've already ordered uh, two vinyls, Uh, so uh, I let my wife listen to it today on the way back from the soccer game, and my wife and kids both love it. So uh, thanks for turning me on to that. I appreciate it. Well, I'll I'll give you the floor. Again, I'll try not to take too long, but I went and saw Kishi Bashi last night, and – I just love his music. He's he's such a genius. He's like, a, a, I don't know. He's a very good violinist, a very good vocalist, and he does you know beatboxing and these weird loops, and he plays piano. And his whole band was in Halloween costumes, and the whole thing was very theatrical. And his new album is really really good so sometimes when you go see a concert and a band's playing all stuff from their new album it's like oh come on play your old songs that everybody knows and likes but like i know his new album as much as the other one so it was pretty cool and uh the which uh, is the sonder lust is the new one yeah yes it's actually my favorite yeah that one's really good i i I think that one it's not i don't think it's quite as uh like powerful and uplifting as as his first two albums but i i love the like 70s Mm -hmm. like the elo pink floyd kind of vibe that comes off that album it's it's really well done Mm -hmm. but the the whole concert man was like it was just like a party uh he had like I said, his whole band was in costumes and there was just confetti flying and balloons everywhere. And uh, he staged over out into the crowd and some handler like handed him a violin and he was playing the violin while he was crowd surfing. And um, for the encore, they actually like unplugged, like, completely unplugged and came down into the crowd and played their song Manchester with the crowd singing like completely yeah. quiet just with the crowd singing along with them like walking around the crowd it was just it was so awesome what a what a great show and uh awesome performer and i would just recommend uh kishibashi to anybody who is into like cool music so yeah he's sort of a local for me uh surprisingly he was born in seattle but he grew up um in norfolk oh, okay. virginia cool um, it, yeah, his parents taught at Old Dominion University, and so he grew up in that area, and I have a, fr- a good friend of mine from that area, and I asked if he knew him, and he didn't. They went to two different high schools, you know, of course, um, but he lives in uh, Athens, Georgia now, so which isn't very far, a place that I've been to several times, just a great hotbed. It's like Austin. Uh, it's just like a great hotbed for uh, indie music, and uh, I know Kishibashi's played with uh, mm-hmm. of Montreal and and some other like bands that I'm really into. So yeah, definitely, it's uh, that was a good suggestion, man. I really appreciate that. So, all right, shall we talk about the game? <laughs> finally, we're 45 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> uh, all right, Floyd, get all us right, started, man. So for uh, for October, you know um, that we like to do something that's a little. Um, you know, horror-themed or thriller-themed, um, or just in general something that's, you know, kind of darker, you know, keeping in the spirit of Halloween. So uh, this month we played Shadow of Memories, 
or it, well, if you're in Europe, it's called Shadow of Memories. Uh, if you're in North America, like the rest of us, it's called Shadow of Destiny. Uh, and that um, it's for the PS2, came out in 2001. Um, it's an adventure game, um, sort of like kind of in like that point and click kind of style, but uh, you do control your character in um, in like a 3D space. Uh, it's developed by yeah, I would say this is very much a, this is a very much yeah. point and click game. Yeah, um, <laughs> developed by Konami, uh, Konami Computer Entertainment, uh, published by Konami. Uh, like I said, released in two thousand one for PS two, later ported to Xbox, which was a was a Europe only release, and came to PC in two thousand two, um, and. I think a few of us, um, in particular, Sean, you played it on the uh, PSP, right? Uh, you know what? Actually, I was going to, and I just I didn't like the way it played, so I switched oh, okay. back and played through it on the PS3. All right, yeah, so I did we'll, um, we'll, we'll probably touch on that. Um, so, so yeah, um, it's on, uh, on a few platforms, um, and it's the whole premise of this game is within sort of the opening five minutes, your main character, Ike, is uh, murdered and you meet this mysterious um, entity thing called the homunculus <laughs> and the, the homunculus gives you a chance to come back to life if you can prevent your murder. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's sort of the, of the main uh, <laughs> motivation for the game. I think... Uh, yeah, of course you can you can be murdered several times and keep yeah, coming back. Yeah, I to think life. Um, that that's one thing that really got me by surprise. I I was I came in expecting that you know it's going to be like a murder mystery, and I'm going to try to solve this and prevent my murder. But it seems that Ike's murderer is always one step ahead of him. So it's it, it became like trial and error pretty quickly. At least that's that's how it felt to me. Um. Any, is there anything you guys want to add about uh, about the story or I just I, I think it's interesting I didn't I didn't realize this until just now because I'm looking at the Wikipedia f- for this and the producer of this game Junko Kawano was actually a lead designer on the first two Sui Koden games which we've played both of those for the Archen playthrough hmm. so that's oh, wow. that's kind of interesting uh, some good when Konami was making good games, because we all know they suck and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I, I'm not seeing too many thematic or gameplay connections between <laughs> these, those two. So that's, that's pretty neat. I love it. Uh, obviously the hair on yeah, some of the right. characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <bit> Wild hair. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is a really crazy game. What an odd plot. Um, I, I'm like you, um, and that it, it's kind of cool. Like you think it's a murder mystery game, right? And you're trying to figure out through the whole game who murdered you, why you've suddenly died w- walking down this, you know, just random German street. Um, and that was sort of the hype in why we sort of picked this game and Floyd I know was kind of struggling in October uh, with picking this uh, game or with picking a game sort of in general we always typically do a Castlevania game so when we kind of 
asked him to sort of, well, we didn't ask him to veer away from it, but to make his own decision, you know, it was sort of like, well, mm-hmm. let's try something different because we've played Castlevania games for the last three years, you know. And so when he mentioned this game, when I read sort of the plot summary, I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. It seems really interesting. A little bit of time travel. You know, it'll be fun. Um, but Floyd, I kind of want to know what made you pick this game, like like overall. Um, I think... I think I'm always looking to add hidden gems to my collection, and and this is definitely yeah. one of those more obscure titles. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it really is one of these games where you you either love it or you hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Sean seems to be a big fan of this game, um, and uh, I, I really like sort of the um, the idea the idea of. Um, uh, like the tri- time travel thing, as you already mentioned, and um, mm-hmm. trying to, to solve your own murders is a really cool sort of uh, starting point for for a game. And, um, you know, it's it's got things like where if you do something in the past, it reflects in the future. Um, so I th- mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those games that it, it sounds better, like a, a description of the game ends up sounding better than the actual game itself and I'm, I'm not knocking it in any way um it's just um maybe it didn't quite live up to my expectation but all that being said i still enjoyed yeah, it um yeah yeah i feel the same way about the game and i'd been every about every time i go to like the local video game store i'm always uh, picking up a copy of um it's on xbox 360 i don't know if any of you've ever played it but it's called Soul murdered Suspect? um yeah Okay, yes. yeah. And yeah, and I keep picking it up and for some reason like having that sort of idea of being murdered and then trying to figure out who did it um that is sort of a plot line that's always sort of appealed to me. I don't know what it is. It's probably all the crappy detective stories and dateline that my <laughs> wife makes me watch all the time. So <laughs> yeah, But have I you played it. that game, Pam? You I did. I did thought like the they added some sort of action elements that I didn't think were necessary, but I mm-hmm. liked the the overall game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I thought this game, um, and going back to Shadow of Destiny, I thought this game, in terms of action, you know, I guess that's one of the things for me. I'd mentioned that, um, well, Floyd had mentioned, and I'd sort of said, yeah, it's definitely a point and click game. There's not a lot of action sequences, and everything sort of takes place in this small fictional German town. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, I mean, there there really is no action except for a handful of moments where you're on a timer and you have to, um, you know, grab a rope so you don't fall off a ledge, or um, you know, protect yeah. yourself from being stabbed in the back. Um, <laughs> but you got to go back in time to make sure you grab a rope that's not that's old right. and frayed. Yeah, I made that from mistake. years later, right? You, <laughs> <laughs> I did too. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the yeah. only thing that's really gamey about it is is you have a limited number of um, time travel points, I guess you could say. But there, there's more of those mm-hmm. those uh, orbs scattered around the town. You can pick them up and and travel back and forth in time. Yeah, yeah, the orbs were kind of strange to me. I don't know what anybody else thought about that. There really never was any sort of explanation as to what those were, or I, did I did I miss that? Um, 
was was there any explanation as to what those were like those orbs like i just i know you collect them and you have to have them to actually time travel but it seemed like maybe there was something just put in the game so that you know when you had a time limit it would make you like scurry and kind of freak out a little bit about um right. you know finding one so i, I really don't know because um, <laughs> i don't think it was explained that you only have um a limited number of of time travels and that if you run out you have to go collect those orbs um because it just happened to me yeah. at, at one point where i pulled up uh um in the game they call it a digipad and, and that's what you use to travel back and forth in yep. time um i pull it up and like i'd select the era that i wanted to travel to and nothing happened so and you know i, I look at uh, then I, I looked at the, the the time travel meter and it was it was empty, uh, and that was the first time that I ran out <laughs> of those like time travel points. It was it was weird, um, so yeah. I think um, probably something that could have been explained um, or or at least um, yeah. clarified a little better. I think yeah, it was Pam, in the manual, but I don't think it ever got mentioned in the actual game. Uh yeah. <laughs> There's darn manuals. <laughs> they're, they're there for some reason, I, right? I thought it was kind of weird that in, you start the game with a maxed out, um, you know, meter of those energy points or whatever they're called, and yeah. then you go down to having none for seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, doesn't homunculus yeah, get mad at you or yeah, something, something and take like them that. all but away? But I, yeah. I did find that they're, uh, depending on the time zone that you're in, they're, they're always in the same place. So in situations where yes. I needed one, I, I usually kn- knew where to go to get one. And you usually only mm-hmm. need one at a time. And wherever you're going to, you can pick mm-hmm. one up and sometimes you accumulate a couple and then you're you're good to go. Yeah, and one of the places I know would go back in time, and there were two that were fairly close to each other, so I would just grab both of those really quick, you know, just in case I needed them. But yeah, I I felt like they were kind of a, I don't know, to me it was sort of like a forced uh, convention that was on this game where you have to have them to time travel, but, you know, you have this time running in the background where... I guess we should explain that when you do time travel, if you go back in time, you can still die if your hour of death in the future or present day, uh, if it reaches the time, reaches that. So you have two, um, you have like two meters, one that keeps time in the past and one that keeps time in the present. Um, this sounds confusing. <laughs> well, you, you basically sure, have but, like uh, um, at least two clocks running at the same time. Yes. Um, right. Yeah. Because even you if you time travel to a different time, even if yeah, you time you, travel, you, you're still the time in, in the previous timeline is still going. It's weird. Yeah, and I found a couple. I don't know if you guys did. You have to pay attention to the uh, the hour, whatever they uh, prime time or whatever you want to call it <laughs> when when the actual murders <laughs> happen. And if you forget when it is, it's you know. Uh-huh. Oh, it's ten thirty PM and you're out, you know, goofing around or trying to figure out a puzzle or something. I a few times I forgot yeah. even what time I needed to do something by. And I think you know, there's a notes section, but I felt like the notebook wasn't updating enough with what I was doing in the game sometimes. So I found that to be a little mm-hmm. bit unreliable. Yeah. But 
I, uh, as with a lot of games, I just kind of, I, I did use a walkthrough and kind of buzz through this game because I, I have played it before, so <laughs> I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to frustrate myself with it quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, it's fairly mm-hmm. linear as, as far as gameplay goes. I mean, it's going to direct you in sort of the right paths. Of course, this game, um, we should mention has five different endings and depending on, choices you make during the game now not all choices but there's some heavier choices in the game and even sometimes it's sort of like you know are you sure you want to make this choice i found that i found that kind of comical i was like (laughs) what you know why is it kind of asking me this but those are sort of your heavier choices in the game and those are the ones that sort of dictate what your major outcome is going to be of course um the game also has like completion percentages as well so you can actually kind of quote 100% this game by doing, um, you know, certain things. Like I know there's one where you can like bring a little girl a kitten or something like that. I, I, I didn't bother with those sort of things. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's a fairly linear game. I mean, it's going to point you in certain directions. And uh, there were a few times when I got stuck, um, I have to admit. And I had to look at a, at a walkthrough once during my playing this game. And that was... Where you have to uh, part of the game where you have to find the ladder. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, that's near mm-hmm. the beginning, isn't it? Chapter two or something? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's it's an early chapter. It is. That's where you have to um, keep the tree from being planted that the murderer's mm. hiding behind. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to go back in time to prevent the planting of a tree. Did you replace uh, it with yeah, a sort of statue absurd. of yourself? Because that's the only way to do it. <laughs> 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 oh really no uh, i did flowers because i like beautiful things it's just funny if you if you put a statue of yourself it's uh it's ike holding out his cell phone if you if you use your cell phone to, to scare the villagers um it's yeah it's oh, ike wow, holding really? out his cell phone that's the statue that you got i thought that was kind of funny how about if you hold out I, the lighter? Does it, is I would it am, one of you holding the lighter? Yeah, no, I would imagine it, it would be the lighter if you did that, but I, I did my cell phone, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, that's funny. That is so funny. Um, so I guess we should mention, too, like when you die in this game, you have to don't you have to start the entire chapter over? I mean, it's different at some points, but you have to kind of start back a decent ways. Um, and it's really not that bad because... The game, the game's, it's like a three mm-hmm. to four hour game. It's very short. So, you know, within the span of dying, like if you just do the things up to where you died in the same order and you can, as you're figuring it out, you know, you can do it a lot quicker the next time. And so your, your time's not going to run out. Your overall time's not going to run out. Um, so, you know, there, there is that. Um, so at least if you have to start over, not like, well, let's say Castlevania Four, which I've been playing recently. Um, it, it's not sort of an aggravation when you lose all your yeah, lives and, and have to start. Like every over, chapter so. is like twenty to thirty minutes, I'd say. And so, even yeah, yeah if you have yeah. to start over, you're not losing that much progress. Yeah, the worst part is having to go back through oh, dialogue. That is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this game can be pretty dialogue yeah, heavy just, at times. It, I don't right? know, it's really dry delivery with a lot of the characters. Uh, yeah yeah for sure um so you guys want to talk about like maybe some of the major decisions in the game that you have to make and what those sort of lead to i know we probably all got some different endings yeah i think Mm -hmm. i think the endings hinge 
I know one of the major uh, choices you can make is whether or not to tell Marguerite you think that you're related to her. So if you say that you think mm-hmm. you're, a, you're an ancestor of hers, you get a different ending than if you just let it go and don't tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone... Which way did everyone go? Her. Yeah, me too. How could I you told not? her. I mean, yeah. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I, huh. I didn't. Let me. Can I tell you my reasons for not? Because I was like, okay, I've got two girls that are fairly <laughs> attractive, and I kind of want to be able to choose between the two of them at the end. But now that I think about it, I'm related to her, so that's kind of creepy, mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that as I was playing. I guess I was thinking with my brain and not with Ike. So, yeah, but right. in the end, does Carry it depend on. on what um ending you get that homunculus has switched Marguerite and Dana, or is that just canon no matter what? Um, What do you mean switched? Doesn't, oh man, I, I don't want to confuse the issue that, here. That might just but, be your no, ending. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, when I played, um, Dana ended up staying in like the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Marguerite came to the future and at the end said she wanted to go back to her time period. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I um, my first ending was, that was my first ending, Floyd. And then my second ending, I actually got uh, Dana to stay. So there's a way to oh, get really her to come cool. back to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. There uh-huh. is. Uh, and I think that was ending E, I believe, and D was my first ending. So, yeah. I don't How about think you, I ever even found Dana again. I got ending D. So. Okay. Uh, Margaret went back to her time period, and you found out that Hugo, her brother, had overheard you telling her about the whole time travel thing and uh he was causing mm-hmm. all of your problems yeah yes. I, I think that's he somehow made his own time machine that's something we we <laughs> forgot to mention is that uh hugo um catches wind of your time travel device and his father is the alchemist uh so and hugo sure creates this thing that um basically lets him track Ike's digipad. And um, so wherever yeah. Ike goes, Hugo ends up going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Wagner is the uh Yes, that's the alchemist, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's your, yeah, he's your relative. And um, yeah, this game's really heavy on the theme of alchemy as well. I guess it's sort of the basis for the game. Did you guys do any research or anything? About that, like, um, you know, the whole idea of the Philosopher's Stone, the homunculus. It, it's described a little bit in the game. Um, but um, there's this whole idea that alchemy, of course, before playing this game, the, the only thing I knew that the alchemy was used for um, was, of course, it was this kind of false idea that uh, you could turn anything, uh, any type of element to gold or silver. And that was the... The sort of purpose of alchemy, but that also there was this idea that uh, you could create this homunculus, which was just sort of a clone uh, of a human through alchemy and by using the uh, Philosopher's Stone, uh, which is just this sort of fictitious, if you will, sort of like uh, ingredient 
uh, that makes alchemy work. That's the way I sort of understood it. Yeah, yeah. I thought the Philosopher's no, Stone right. yeah. is what turned elements into gold. So I wasn't totally... If mm-hmm. It felt like they were taking the terminology and not quite using it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I felt that way too, but I actually did some, some research on it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't... I, I guess the Philosopher's Stone is not something... I guess it's, I don't know if it's something that's physical or non-physical, sort of just an idea, but the the whole idea of the homunculus was something that was present in alchemy, something that they thought they could do. I mean, I did a little bit of research on it, and um, it it was, um, the game developers actually, seems that they did sort of do their research um, in in creating this game. And, um, you know, it, it, it holds up on that end, but... It does come off as a little odd. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of description in the game about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so we went from the beginning of the game to the endings of the game. Did anybody have any uh, like favorite chapters within the game? I kind of like the one with. Uh, convincing the guy helping the guy write his movie so his movie poster is like more interesting (laughs) (laughs) in the future i thought that one was pretty cool yeah that kind of decide whether you get hit by a car or not wasn't that the same because the the two girls are like oh his movie suck but then if you change the poster they're like standing around talking about it i think if i'm remembering correctly does it matter which uh, movie idea you give him? I don't know. I, I told him, yeah. you know, basically you tell him your own story that you're a time traveler, traveler looking to, uh, find your lost love or something. And he's oh, like, okay. Oh, Cause that's, that's great. Yeah. Idea. That's what I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you, if you go the wrong way and, and, and do different things, you can, um, you know, you can have some negative impact in doing that. So that's sort of part of the game. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I had any really favorite chapters. The, the most aggravating chapter to me was finding the ladder. Um, I do remember that distinctively. Um, I, I did like the tower sequence, though, that uh, Floyd mm-hmm. kind of alluded to earlier. Um, you know, where you're trying to escape the tower and you have to go back in time and, you know, get the correct rope so that when you get pushed off, then... Um, you know, you're going to be able to grab the rope and save yourself, uh, from another death, which I I found it odd that the thing you would do is go find, um, a better rope, you know, that you can hold on to as as you let someone push you off, uh, the top of a tower. (laughs) How about just turn around and fight, um, maybe, maybe that would be better. It's kind of weird. Like I keeps, you know, dying and going back in time, you know, you'd think he would use some of that knowledge of you know like hey maybe i shouldn't go to that street or maybe i should just turn around yeah i think i think part of this is being an adventure game they got to use some of that moon logic you know this is a tradition in point and click adventure games so why not here yeah yeah, just go back in time and get a gun or something (laughs) yeah really Get your AK. Yeah. Um, I, I like the um, I like the chapter where uh, you find out that the juggler uh, was actually you time traveling. 
Um, oh yeah, that was that was a cool cool one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like I missed out on something there because I think you're supposed to right at the beginning run by him and he tosses you an egg, and I never got the egg, so that caused some troubles for me later on. I wonder how did that cause trouble? Yeah, I'm I had- wondering just because. All I did with that was give it to the guy who was making the movie, and I don't I don't remember it having like uh, huge ramifications. Because the the walkthrough that I looked at, it said give the egg to the chef, and then the chef gives you a frying pan, and then you use oh, the frying yeah, pan yeah. to not get stabbed. Yep. So I never got right. the frying pan. <laughs> I got um, a sign from outside the photography shop, and I used that to. Uh, to protect myself. Oh, huh. cool. Oh, wow, really? I didn't even <laughs> know that was I. an option. That's pretty cool. I, I don't remember. One would think you could just <laughs> swing the frying pan at the person. but <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember picking up an egg. I mean, I, I did that um, when you write the note to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't remember anything like that. But wasn't the note inside the egg, right? Because it's like an egg and it's got like the strip right. in it that you pull out. And that and that's where you write the note on it and that you toss it to yourself. Yeah, that was cool. That was it's pretty wild. It's cool to talk about these different endings now and to be able to discuss this. Um how what did you guys think about the um sort of the graphics in the game? Were these you, how would you rate these as far as like PS2? They were okay. Um, I mean, yeah. not anything special, I don't think. They were sort of average graphics. Although I did find um, some of the time periods much better looking than others. Like the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's something... Yeah, we should mention right, the yeah. color palettes, right? Yeah. The medieval that's one was point. just all... It was, brown. <laughs> it was, was it really like, yeah, ugly. that sepia tone. <laughs> sepia. And there was one that was all black yeah, that was and the white, 70s, right? right? Uh, yeah, I can't maybe. recall. It was one of the past. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was kind of an interesting choice, I thought, to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think the game looked good enough. Um, like all the main characters. They they looked all right. Um, the uh, the townsfolk looked really bad, <laughs> um, and yeah. a lot of them had some pretty bad voice acting and, and accents that just didn't make sense. That was probably my least favorite part of this game was the voice acting. That was the most mm-hmm. grating to me. I think. Um, just it just didn't seem to line up with the action it was like they gave lines to actors to read but that the actors didn't really have any idea like what the situation was um one thing in particular was marguerite i thought was awful um there's this scene where you first meet her and you're saving her from the three women and she's like, oh, no, I am in danger. Yeah. You know, it's not it's she, she doesn't seem like she's upset, you know, about basically being blackmailed by these three women. Um, and um, it, I don't know. It just comes off as sort of silly sometimes. And I got that from a lot of characters. But, you know, in particular, hers, uh, 
Hugo was a little annoying too. I don't know who did that voice, but man, that kid mm-hmm. was very annoying. <laughs> I don't know. What did you guys think about the voice acting? I can't be the only one. Yeah, it was pretty weak on on the whole. And the the problem was that there was so much dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is yeah, the the PSP version they re-recorded the voice acting and it's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned playing the PSP. Um, you started off with that. What were what were some of the differences, Sean? I'm just uh, curious. One of the differences you could save anywhere, which would be convenient if you were playing it on a handheld. Mm-hmm. But it, I I don't know why. I, I was just immediately put off. I wonder if there was a different like um, zoom or like the aspect ratio or something. If they converted that somehow to get it on the the PSP screen. But uh, I just didn't like the way it felt or looked or controlled or whatever. I'm sure it would be fine if I gave it a chance. But I was just like, I played it for like five minutes. And I was like, nope, I don't like this PS2 time. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even really give it a chance. Mm. So, Yeah, that's sort of shocking to hear from you. Because you are a big proponent of uh, handheld stuff. Especially PSP and Vita. But I guess... Um, since it's yeah. PlayStation two, you don't <laughs> mind it that much. I know you're a big PS two fan. So, uh, so yeah, it makes a little more sense now, but when you first said yeah. that, I was like, what? yeah, it's hard. I can't really yeah. explain it. It's kind of weird, but it, it, it gave me a chance to play other stuff on the PSP anyway. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit, go back to like sort of the gameplay mechanics, um, uh, I want to talk about the controls a little bit. We mentioned it's sort of point and click, and I, I like the menu system. I like that there wasn't um, a lot of options uh, as going through the menu system. So if you needed to use something, it was you know fairly easy to figure out. Uh, but the controls for me were just awful. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know why they didn't. I, I don't know why they didn't decide to use that second thumbstick. Um, so that you could sort of look around and change your view. Uh, I found a lot of times where I would just sort of get stuck and have to run out of a corner or something and just sort of almost felt like I was running blindly I felt that through way the too. game. Which, um, I, yeah, I mean, there's no danger. You know, it's not a platform or anything, so it's okay. But, uh, you know, with time restrictions and stuff, I, you know, it, it made me very uncomfortable playing this game. Right. I think, like, um, every... Uh, uh, Every door to a uh, to a building that you'd have to go into would have like a flashing um, icon on top of it. But the way the camera would always be positioned, it was hard to see um, like what's a, a building mm-hmm. you can go yep. into. Because um, just the way the mm-hmm. camera follows you is um, or, or maybe doesn't follow you is really um, like a, a something that I would complain about. Yeah, yeah. How about you guys, Pam? I thought at first it was a little weird that it used the bumpers instead of the right thumbstick, but I got used to it after a while, and I think it's just because it wasn't an action-heavy game, so it was fine for me Mm -hmm. to control the camera that way. Although at the same time, I kind of feel like it didn't really need to be a 3D exploration game. Like mm-hmm. it, like all the running okay. around felt not that necessary, especially since there was only a few things in each map that you could really interact with. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. I mean, you were just mm-hmm. very limited in the things that you could do in this game. I, like I said um, before, it, everything takes place in the same town. There's probably only like three or four places usually on each map that you can go to. Some places, maybe a few more, but they really don't have any bearing on the game. Like you had mentioned before, Pam, that you didn't find Dana. Well, she was like in a, um, wasn't she at an artist shop? Um, when you find her in the uh, right, in the yeah, passport. she was at uh, that the right? painter's shop or something. Yeah, yeah, she was doing some posing for him or something like that. I don't know. It was kind of weird, but um, yeah. So you, that's where you find her um, before asking her to, you know, return to the future with you, and you, you find out that like four years has passed, um, and she's sort of been there that long. Whereas for you, it's only been like hours. Um, and so she doesn't know whether she wants to leave or not because she's made a comfortable life for herself in the past. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I don't know. What else about this game did you guys uh, like or uh, think should have been done better? I, just, I wanted to touch on the controls. I actually didn't have a problem with the controls because I think I'm, I'm maybe more used to these kind of games on the PS2. Um you know, three D three D camera controls with the right right thumbstick are are kind of uh, more of a seventh generation you know you know thing that they got perfected there. Sure. Not to say they weren't present in the sixth because they totally were, but I think for a game like this, um, you know, we we had all kinds of three D platformers uh, back in the day that that had those bumper camera controls like. Uh, you know, Ratchet and Clank, I think, was that way. So it didn't bother me too much. And, and it's funny to hear you guys talking about it. It didn't need to be in 3D. I just started daydreaming about, like, this game, like, D-made in one of the LucasArts engines or, like, the Scum engine. Like, <laughs> would it actually work as a game that way? That would be cool to see. I wonder if anybody would ever try that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the possibility of this game being remade would be you know i don't know if um i don't know if it's strong enough to hold up for a remake or you know if it's something that would you know look better you know more modernized or or anything like that um i could definitely see this game being uh, a sequel at some point i feel like um you know there there's enough there like story wise to maybe go back and and do a sequel i don't know if that's ever been discussed or not though no, um, I'm, I'm going to guess Konami still owns the IP, probably. So unless it becomes a pachinko <laughs> machine, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Rich that there's a lot of cool ideas going on here. And um, I think they could have done more with it. But, um, you know, it was for what it is, it's a pretty decent game. Um and, and and probably something that was very new for its time where that um, like you didn't really have any of these sort of uh, narrative sort of choose your own adventure plot heavy games or or if they were mm. they were like in the like real small minority um, and it's not something that mm-hmm. came to uh, the forefront until we had guys like, David Cage, and and I think Rich, you wanna yep. you wanna say something about him and how how this how these two topics relate. 
Yeah, I saw some reviews after I'd finished the game just about uh, people comparing this game to um, David Cage games just because, you know, of course we played Indigo Prophecy and then next month uh, we're playing Heavy Rain, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, but this whole idea of, you know, making choices and then that leading to a specific ending um, I know like with most David Cage games, um, Sean, I think has mentioned this before that Cage's idea is that you play the game one time and then you put it down. Um, you're not, the intention isn't that you go back and you continually keep playing the game. Um, but with this game, it seems like they want you to, um, to go back and flush out all five endings, right? Because they have a completion percentage, um, that you can that you can earn through this game doing various things and um again you know five different possible endings and it tracks that when you finish the game it gives you the ending number and then there you can go to the option screen and you could see which endings you've completed and so i sort of feel like the reason that this game was made and the duration is only like we said three to four hours that there's supposed to be some sort of replayability or some um, reason for you to put this game back in when it only lasted three to four hours. Um, so I guess what I wanted to know is if you guys are kind of satisfied with the endings that you got, or and if you have any interest in flushing out any of the other endings in this game. Um, I was I was satisfied with the ending that I got. I, I got ending B. Yeah. Um, which it, okay. And what um, was that? Dana decides to stay in the in the fifteen hundreds or whatever it is, um, and okay. uh, Margaret um, is brought to to the present by by Hugo, and and she's kind of being used as um, as a she she's basically held hostage by Hugo. Okay. She's been used as sort of that, a fulcrum, yeah, that's right? The word I was to, looking for. So that Hugo can get that's, a humongous. That's the word I was looking yeah, for. Okay. Um, and uh, you sort of you, you settle that dispute, and Margaret says that she wants to go back to her time period, and um, um, you know, your your little blurb so at the do. end says, you know, you know, finally everything has come to an end, but it feels like. Um, an unsatisfactory conclusion or something like that. And it's, that sums it up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, like not the best mm-hmm. ending, but, um, um, that's, that's what I got. Um, I don't, I don't know if I want to go back. So what happens with Hugo in your ending? Oh, Hugo, what happens with Hugo um, in your ending? the, the fortune teller turned out to be Hugo's mother. Um, Hugo tried to bring mm. her back by okay. using alchemy and a lock of her hair but um, she she became yep. this sort of like spirit thing, and she um, took on the role of the fortune teller. And um, she, you you bring Hugo over to see her, and then they uh, Hugo sort of reconciles, you know, his his um, mm. um, selfish selfishness to to bring her back, and ends up getting crushed in the house when it collapses. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> well, that's crazy, man, because, like, my ending had nothing to do with the fortune teller. That, you know, the fortune teller oh, okay. was never flushed out in, in oh, either okay. of my endings. So that's, um, that's so, cool yeah. to hear that. So it's, yeah. it's, like, it's good that we're talking about the endings now because it's giving us more insight into, you know, into the meat of the game. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if I really want to go back to it. Um, cause I think what makes it difficult mm-hmm. for me to go back is, um, not so much the pacing, but just that everything is so like dry and so, um, monotone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one good thing about going back is that you can fast forward through dialogue on your next playthrough. So that's, that's one thing that they did get right because this game, like, like we've said, is very mm-hmm. dialogue heavy. Um, so same question, Pam, um, to you, um, were you satisfied with your ending? You know, you can talk about what endings you got. Were you satisfied with them? And do you have any interest in, uh, flushing out the other endings um, in this my game? My ending was okay. Um, I liked finding out about the truth about Hugo and his, um, and his mother, uh, I did find it get it got a little convoluted. Like I think time travel narratives mm-hmm. are very hard to pull off, and this one didn't do it all yes. that well. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would want to go back and replay it for the endings, uh, sort of for the same reason. It is fairly dry. Um, I'm not particularly attached to any of the characters or anything in the game. Although I did read all of the endings, and I think that. Uh, ending C sounds hilarious. <laughs> I might look up a video of that. Did anyone get ending C? No, I guess not. <laughs> no, I got no. I got the B ending as well. <laughs> Same one as Floyd. All right, Pam, you got to spoil it for us. What what does ending C consist of? I have to hear so this now. So in ending C, it goes back to like the 1500s. Uh, an elderly Hugo is there. Um, somehow both Hugos, the present Hugo and past Hugo, uh, make contact, causing a dimensional paradox, so they both disappear. Uh, (laughs) Ike goes back to his home time, thinking that everything's okay, lies down in the street, and then gets run over by a car. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> that is the yeah. we did too much cocaine yeah, ending, I think. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so Pam, I'm assuming you got ending B, is that right? Was uh, it similar to Floyd's yeah. ending? Uh B. Okay. Okay. All right. How about you, Sean? Same question. I watched uh, I watched some of the other endings on YouTube and I I'll play through this game again, I'm sure, at some point. I, I still love this game. Uh, as as much as this <laughs> this conversation seems like a bunch of nonplussed people talking to each other about a rather mediocre game, I don't know. There's something like special about it for me. Um, and I mentioned on the show when we were previewing this game that this was one of the games that when I really, really started getting into PlayStation 2 collecting, that I felt like I had found something really special and that nobody knew about. This was mm-hmm. one of those first, like, quote-unquote, hidden gems that I had in my collection. And um, just playing through it, it, it was something uh, obscure and different from anything I'd ever played before. And, yeah, I know, like, the voice acting's terrible. The graphics aren't that great. The the moon logic is moon logic and the, (laughs) some of the endings are crazy or whatever. But, um, as much as I, you know, I finished the game, I put it back on the shelf play and watch some of the other endings on YouTube. Um, I'm going to keep this one in my collection and I'll, I I bet you I will play through this game again at some point. 
Yeah, I'm curious. Um, when did you play this game? How long ago did you first uh, play this game? It must have been probably before I even got on RF Generation, so maybe like five or six years ago. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while then. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, maybe if... Um, and for me, you know, I've really not played a game like this. I mean, I've played a lot of point-and-click games uh, back in sort of the PC days, or... You know, it was mainly like things on Nintendo, such as like Deja Vu or Shadowgate were more the point and click type games I would play. But they they weren't as sort of interactive as this one was. So I guess I wonder, like the the probably the most recent game that was similar might have been Indigo Prophecy that I that I played. Um, that was sort of the same way where you could sort of choose your own way and your own um, adventure in that sort of way. So I wonder if playing games like that, and since, you know, like you probably played this game before you played maybe Heavy Rain or um, um, Beyond Two Souls or uh, Indigo Prophecy, maybe you having that earlier experience with this game uh, made you maybe appreciate it more than someone like me. Yeah, I think that's true, but I, I also think, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without like patting myself on the back or whatever, but I think I have like a, (laughs) no, I think the thing for me is I have a higher tolerance for these like mid-tier sixth generation games because they were Mm kind of like my bread and butter for a long time. And I, for a lot of the time, was looking for like, not even games that were known as being good, but just known as being crazy and different. So even if the gameplay mm-hmm. wasn't completely solid, I would always try and take out a good experience from from games like this, which is that's why I love sure. Disaster Report so much. Um, you know, that game yeah. is 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 so crazy and it's it's not like a structurally sound, like mechanically sound game, but it's amazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I tend that, to, yeah, yeah, that's I, a I good point. T- I do tend to kind of lump that game, lump Shadow of Destiny in with with those kind of games because you know, f- for what it's worth, we don't really get a lot of those games made anymore. And we've talked about this on the on the show a lot. Is that there's a huge divide between you know indie games that one person made that may be very well, but they're very good, but they're like lo-fi indie games and you know, these AAA blockbusters that we all know and love. So that's why, you know, when a game like Yakuza 5 comes around, you know, I'm going to play it for 100 hours and, you know, never let go because I know that games like this don't, they don't come around a, a lot often anymore. So, mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, I guess it point. almost brings up that, uh, you know, like game, non-game debate. Um, uh yeah, I had that feeling too, Floyd, as I was sort of, you know, playing through this game. You know, some of the games, I know with the early PC games that we played it at one time, you know, there, we had this sort of feeling of game or, you know, not game. The, but those were, a lot of those were sort of walking games and more, uh, you know, sort of more linear games. Uh, what what were the games we played? I know we played like Gone Home and um, I can't, I can't remember what the Stanley name Power the was. I believe so. That one as well, but there was there was a third um, one we played. I think it was Dear Esther. Oh, Dear that's Esther, the, that's yeah. the one that uh, Dear Esther. Yeah. You know, that's the one that yeah. I guess everybody loves to hate. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I did that have that uh, similar feeling as well, Floyd, as I was sort of playing through this game, you know, sort of uh, linear, but, you know, does give you some options. And, and kind of to go back to what you were saying, Sean, I mean, I really, um, I, I do like this game. Um, it's not on the top of my list of things that we've played uh, through our playthroughs, but I can see, like, the charm that you talk about that it has for you, and I definitely understand that, and... Uh, there, there are some things that I do like about this game. The plot, for one, I, I like the whole idea behind this game. Uh, but I guess that for me, it's just a, a few things that, you know, mechanic-wise that, that I just couldn't get past. But I thought the intention of the game uh, was really cool and the, the entire concept was uh, was really awesome. And that's what got me excited about playing this game in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I'm, you I'm know? right there with you on that. Um. I think I think I'll come back to it. You know, maybe not right away. Maybe in like six months or a year. But yeah, I'm definitely not going to resell it. It's going to stay in my collection for sure. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. But um, Sean, what endings did you get? You didn't really speak. No, to that. yeah, I think I got the same one as Floyd. One one of the B endings. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I'll go ahead and tell you what endings I got. I got D and E. Uh, the first time I played through the game, I got ending D, which um, seems like it ended in a similar way. Um, I got the option of um, taking Dana back. I didn't take Dana back, or I went to the square uh, without doing what I was supposed to the first time, and it was just sort of the standoff between Hugo and uh, Marguerite, where he was sort of using her uh, to get back at Hugo, and then, um, you know, I ended up saving her and, uh, you know, uh, destroying, uh, Hugo because I can't, I went back and I burned some, like the documents that were associated with, uh, making the, uh, the time machine that Hugo had made. Right. And so I went back in time. I destroyed those documents. I came back and he just sort of disappeared. He and his sister just sort of disappeared and went back to their um, uh, their own time period. And it was if um, nothing had happened. So Hugo never found the plans to make the time machine uh, that uh, Dr. Wagner had created and so it was as if, if nothing had happened. The second ending was sort of similar uh, with E. I uh, was able to save Dana by... Uh, Dana didn't want to go back, but I went to the future, back to the future, if you will, and went to the restaurant, and there was a note at the restaurant she worked at, and it was from her employer saying how he was so, so lucky to have her, and I took it back to her, and that gave her the feels... <laughs> And so I was able to go and bring her back to the future. Oh, I guess I am important. You know, now I can go back you know, a little bit ridiculous. And then when I took her back, uh, of course, Hugo captured her and tried to kill her and uh, just had to deal with Hugo and uh, save the day and right off into the sunset with the, the young lady. So um, I the second ending with saving Dana was kind of cheesy and, and weird and it almost made me wish that I hadn't played the game the second time, if that makes sense. Um, I really like the ending I got where I went back and I destroyed the plans because logically that sort of made the most sense to me. If that, you know what I mean there. So, and, uh, you know, just sort of putting things back together that way. 
and then uh, just started going back to the future and uh, living out my life. Sans data. It's made a little bit more sense. So is this one of these games with like a good ending and a bad, e- bad ending or just different endings? Well, I guess C's <laughs> yeah. kind of weird. But <laughs> I think some are better than others. And definitely at the B- at the B ending, Ike ends up in a bar and he literally says something doesn't feel right. So I, I definitely feel like even though the B ending to me was satisfying, um, they, mm-hmm. they're they definitely, I wouldn't call it a bad ending, but like Rich was saying earlier, mm-hmm. they really want you to play through and experience all the endings, especially so you can get the, the special ending once you do all of them or whatever, which I didn't watch. I guess oh, that's really? the EX ending. Um, hmm. Okay, I didn't know that that was a possibility. So there's six endings then. I guess if you get all of the uh, possible outcomes. Yes, yes, because there's two two Bs and then, yeah, <laughs> A B B two, wow. C D E, and then oh, wow. the E X one and two. So yeah, it's 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 a lot of stuff to go through. This is a a real, you know, completionists uh, kind of game. If if you really want to go that route, if yeah. you, if you're not satisfied when you put down the controller and you hear your main character say something still doesn't feel right you know so huh yeah that's interesting i had no idea i thought it was just the five endings and that was it i had no idea it continued on and that there was uh, additional endings or that there was even a b1 and b2 ending which yeah. is surprising to me huh very cool was well, there anything else that anyone wants to say about this game want to throw out there about it Pam, do you regret joining us on this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've been wanting to play this for a while. I had picked the game up about, I don't know, maybe six months ago or so after someone had told me about it. Uh, I really, really liked the concept, although I just found the execution was a little off. I actually found yeah. that everything was just a little bit off in this game um i mean even it was supposed to take place in germany and besides the street signs like the street names and sort of the lattice work on some of the houses nothing really said germany or even europe to me (laughs) yeah well the cobblestone (laughs) maybe (laughs) that's yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's a good point yeah it could be Mm -hmm. kind of anywhere but uh, it seems like they really focused to set it in Germany, and I guess it's because of the um, the sort of the the whole tie to alchemy. Uh, so they felt that they had to set it in like a European mm. uh, nation, and uh, I don't think it would have probably wouldn't have worked well like as in the U.S. You know what I mean, or you know in Asia or somewhere like that. So I guess that makes the most sense. But I kind of agree with you. There wasn't anything in the game that felt really kind of German to me, you know, that kind of embraced that setting. But besides that, yeah, good point. All right. Anything else? Um, I've got something in my notes here about Bishan in style and ambiguous characters. Yeah, um, I wrote that in, and um, uh, we talked about this whole idea of Bishonen, which is... Um, you know, where they take male characters and make them look feminine. I, I kind of felt that way about Ike a little bit. And I, I think that's just kind of the style, you know, the art style. Um, and as far as ambiguous characters, yeah, um, the humo- homunculus. 
was really sort of an ambiguous character. I don't know. Was it just me? I couldn't tell if it was uh, male or female. And maybe that's sort of the point. Maybe it's just supposed to be neither. Maybe it's just supposed to be a clone as, uh, you know, homunculus is. But as far as the, the voice acting, uh, uh, the style, uh, the way it looked, I, I just couldn't tell. It was very ambiguous yeah, to me. I think yeah. Ike refers to homunculus as he, but I agree completely. <laughs> I, I believe it was meant to be uh, ambiguous. I think, I think the effects yeah. put on, on homunculus's voice acting was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And and the, and the way the game kind of held it and didn't reveal like who Homunculus was and sort, you know, a few chapters mm-hmm. into the game. I thought that was I thought that was well done. I really I really enjoyed that. And still, I mean, once you met him or her, um you really could not it, it really just didn't make a lot of, you know, sense as, as far as being able to sort of figure out why you were doing what you were doing. Uh and then you get sort of the grand reveal at the end where you're basically doing it to try to save the homunculus, right? Mm-hmm. Try to save his life. And that's w- without you then, which is a big plot point in this game, without you, the homunculus cannot exist. And so it's in his best interests, in his best interest to, uh, to trick you into helping him out. All right. So I think that wraps us up for Shadow of Destiny for PS2. Um, I did want to mention that next month we are going to be playing our 100th game in our playthrough. I don't know if you guys can believe that or not, but we have actually played through 100 games. Now, we haven't done 100 shows, uh, but we have played 100 games. And I know some months we used to do a retro and a modern playthrough. Um, so we would play, you know, one for each, each month. And then some months, I think one month we did a, an Activision, uh, for Atari 2600 month where we had a competition. Uh, usually in December we do some competition. So we'll throw in, you know, three or four games, but, uh, over the course of, I want to say about three years, three or three and a half years, we've played through 100 games and that's a pretty big milestone. And so we are celebrating that milestone by playing heavy rain. Um, and we will have a special guest on the show next time who will be playing through the game with us. And we're really excited about that. Not going to say who that is, but, uh, you guys will definitely know him, right? <laughs> Uh, and, uh, Heavy Rain, um, you guys want to tell us a little bit about Heavy Rain? Sean, you've played through this game before, right? And Pam? Yeah, sure. I mean, fans of, of the David Cage games that we talked about, people who joined us for Indigo Prophecy, uh, this is another one of, uh, Quantic Dreams, uh, kind of, again, it's like an on-rails adventure game with a lot of quick-time events, and I... I am looking forward to replaying this game because I was absolutely floored and blown away by it the first time I played it. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was totally into it. Plot holes and all, and we will talk <laughs> about those. Um, yeah, me, me too. I think, um, I think I'm looking forward to the discussions more than, than the game. But yeah. um, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty well done game. Um, uh, you, uh, you're, you're, you're seeing the same story from four different viewpoints. Um, so that, that's a really cool thing that wasn't really done before. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm the only one, uh, 
on this podcast and the only one that will be on this podcast that has never played this game before. I mean, as you guys know, I didn't get my PS2 until two Christmases ago. PS3, sorry. I missed out on Heavy Rain. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for correcting me, my PS3. Uh, So I am really excited about playing this game. And honestly, my wife, uh, I let her read about this game as far as just sort of an outline of um, or a description of the game and she's super excited for me to start this game and wants to sit in with me uh, because I think I mentioned a few minutes ago we're kind of these people that get sucked into watching like um, these uh, you know 2020 and these uh, dateline like murder mysteries and things like this and so for it to have uh, sort of a murder mystery element with uh, I believe what this is called the uh, origami yes, kill is that right uh, she is really into that. And so this will be a fun one for us to sit down on the couch and uh, kind of go through together. And so for me, that's going to be the uh, one of the best parts of this game, other than talking to you guys <laughs> about it when it's over, right? <laughs> All right. So that wraps us up for Shadow of Destiny. Thank you so much for joining us, Pam. We appreciate you coming Hi, on the show for me. this one. And you want to take a minute to go ahead and plug your stuff and sure. where everyone can you find you You can find at? me on YouTube. My channel name is Cannot Be Tamed. You can find me on Twitter at Jasyla underscore. That's J-A-S-Y-L-A underscore. Or you can look for my podcast, Media Mavens, on any podcast app. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Great show, guys. Appreciate you joining us. And until next time. wrap up another episode thanks again for listening and an extra thanks to everyone who participated in the playthrough and joined us on the forum at rf generation thanks again to pam for joining us on the show check out her channel cannot be tamed on youtube believe it or not in november we'll be taking on our 100th game after much deliberation it was decided that rich would help us take on david cage once again as this time around, we'll be playing through 2010's Heavy Rain for the PlayStation 3. Log on to rfgeneration.com to join us in finding the origami killer. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast.